I'm going to get to this. Hold on. There's a Pema Chodron quote. Chodron. Um, uh, current state quote. Let's see. Oh, that does not say quote. <laughs> that says quote. Quote. <laughs> this is a really good one. This is really helpful. Um, come on. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> I can't find it. But it's, it's that, that was it's such. such that was ASMR to such a delightful level. I <laughs> loved it? that journey. I loved it. <laughs> just broad strokes this is a interview slash advice hybrid podcast i sit down with tons of amazing people i talk to them about a particular theme then we answer some questions from listeners and no i've never seen frasier but i saw the ads there's a niles crane there's a ross white people in suits i get it Anyway, you know, I can't do this by myself. Even Beyonce has help. Not that I'm Beyonce. Did it make it seem like I'm Beyonce? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I was like, is she comparing herself to Beyonce? So that lovely British voice you hear is my co-producer, my editor, the love of my bloody life. The man who always blows out my back. <laughs> oh. What a lovely intro until then. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. That was just un unexpected <laughs> on both ends there. My parents are quickly. Yeah, everyone, like, you just watch all the views just drop off. <laughs> okay, but British Bake Off is his code name because he wants to be a private citizen. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, you're on the grid. Mm -hmm. You have think, a Hulu account. I think at this point, British Bake Offs is just like, it's that's what it's going to be from there on. Even your parents, your mother refers to me as British Bake Off. She also calls you White Jesus. I mean, mm, I see your point. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm so nervous. Listen. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. We we are leading with our hearts. Mm -hmm. Full full eyes. Full hearts. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Have you ever seen Friday Night Lights? No, never. With Kyle Chandler? I'm like, oof. 
Put some butter on that biscuit. Anyway, you guys, I'm very excited. We have a studio. The most important thing that I have here in this studio mm-hmm. is this letter from Bono. It is pretty impressive. It is pretty bloody cute. And, you know, whenever I'm feeling low, I like to just pull it out and I read it. Do you want to drop the accent? Do you want me to do an Irish accent? <laughs> I do Irish. Wait. How, how do I? How do Irish? What, what was that? Har, har, har? How do Irish people talk? <laughs> Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Phoebe. Not, well, do an Irish accent. I'm, I can, if you so say, what does the note say? <sighs> oh. <laughs> do you need a moment alone there? <laughs> Phoebe, I feel a presence in the room tonight. Is it you in our hometown? Because I went to Dublin last minute, baby, to see mm-hmm. Irish I band concert. I, do you remember seeing me that day? Oh, yeah. I saw you for like... <laughs> <laughs> Bake Off was also in Ireland. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. You flew last minute from New York to Ireland. Yeah. Saw me for three minutes? No, it was 15. It was a nice, juicy 15. Uh-huh. You know what? I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy. Oh, my God. Asking him (laughs) to produce my podcast Uh for free. Yes. And the payment is just... Don't go there. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Please don't go there. (laughs) That is... He's you say that so much in our relationship. <laughs> it's very true. You're like, I know what you're saying. It's wildly inappropriate. Just stop. We have neighbors. And I'm like, but it's funny. And you're like, but dignity. Yes. Get some. Anyway, we should move on to today's the, episode. Yes. First of all, I'm wearing my finest wig because I want to celebrate. Mm-hmm. We are interviewing (sighs) truly one of my most favorite people icons i have been a ginormous fan since forever and it really is this is like a truly pinch me moment where i'm just like i like to speak things into existence and i was like one day I'm going to get to have a conversation with this person mm-hmm. and it's going to be beyond my wildest dreams. And that's what's happened. And you guys, I'm talking about Tracy Ellis Ross! <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care. You sing that so much you don't around like the house. me singing Love Myself? It's not that I don't like it. It's just... Every time I take off my headphones while I'm working, <laughs> I can hear you sing that. <laughs> it's just such a catchy, wonderful song. And I think we all just want to love ourselves better. And this is such a great episode. I thought it was a perfect episode, mm-hmm. perfect person to kick off this entire show because we're talking about hair, doy, and also we're talking about like self-care, joy, and I think it's hard in these times. It's super important right now. To find that, right, and to have someone like her sort of like talk to us about her journey and self-discovery, talk about herself in business, 
pattern beauty we all love blackish we love girlfriends we love her singing we love her fashion we love like she just does so many amazing things and brightens up this world and i'm i'm so excited um but i think it's gonna be a great 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 episode so without further ado my sweet little kitties here's my conversation with miss tracy ellis Ross. I really, really like it when you sing my name, like Frasier. I really, really like it when you say those things. Tell me something good. Hi, Tracy Ellis Ross. Hey. <laughs> I'm best friend in my head. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. Thank you so much for doing Black Frasier. This is going to be the most fulfilling hour of my week. And oh, for everyone that listening. That sets us up way too high, the expectations. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really wanted to have you on the show because I think you have so many wonderful things to say. You're so funny. You're so wise. You're so open and honest. And I think in a time like this, we need people who are, if you're going to have a platform, you're going to like do something positive and empowering with it. And I think you are hands down one of those people who does that. Um, and you know, I've been quarantined since March 6th. Like I was an early adopter and I, you know, it's hard to quarantine in an apartment in New York, but you know, we're making it work. And, um, one of the things so we're going to talk about hair and we're also going to talk about self-care, black girl joy. And one of the things is, first of all, I'm obsessed with pattern beauty. Yay! Truly obsessed. My boyfriend's always like, you keep the pattern beauty packages keep coming. He's like, what else are you ordering? <laughs> did we, did we send you, did yes. you get all the styling stuff? Okay. Of course I got it all, but you know, I was already giving you all my coins before that. So, <laughs> um, I and, to get my notebooks so I don't forget. Oh, cute. Um, and you know, one of the things is I really feel like during this time I've kind of, have deepened my relationship with my hair. And I think I used to feel so frustrated by it or I would just have my hairstylist do it because I was like, oh, like I have 4C hair and it's really, really, really annoying. I just don't want to deal. And now like sitting down on the couch and just watching TV and putting in the styling cream and like, you know, doing all the things and doing the mini twists and everything. Like I really am falling in love with my hair again. And so I'm curious to to sort of talk to you because you've had an abundance of hairstyles. You now have this hair empire to sort of talk about what your relationship has been with your hair from when you were a kid to like now this juicy and joyful moment that you're having, that you're having. Well, yeah. let's, let's backtrack. And first, let me say hi. hi. I'm so happy to be sitting with you. I so wish we were in person. I got your email and I was like, oh my God, I love this woman so much. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like I, I feel like our, our souls might have been built up in the same in the same cauldron. Yes. Like, <laughs> somehow we, we came out of the same batch. Um, and it's an honor to have been in the same batch with you, to feel like I'm in the same batch with you. I think you're Aww. just the greatest. Um Thank you. So, you know, um, I also uh, wanted to sort of tag team on what you were saying around this uh, re-falling in love with or sort of honoring of self through our hair. And it kind of brings me to the question that you asked, which is that, you know, 
I could really genuinely chronicle my journey of self-acceptance through my journey with my hair. Mm -hmm. And I think for so many black women and so many women, um, that is the case, you know, um, there is, uh, because of the world that we live in, the structure that we live in, the patriarchy, sexism, racism, mm -hmm. uh, just all of it that's in there, um, how we relate to our hair, how we see our hair playing into the larger picture of how we're seen, um, and also how we love ourselves, how mm -hmm. we fight against the idea of who we think we should be because of what we're told versus who we are, how our hair authentically grows out of our head in the most beautiful and glorious different ways. And, um, and so loving on our hair is one of the ways that we love on ourselves. And mm -hmm. it is, um, genuinely a, an act of both resistance and, um, and love. It's just like a combination of both of those things. So, my journey is, is in some ways not unlike anyone else's. You know, uh, the truth is way at the beginning, I, it was just great. You know, the hair was yeah. just doing what it was doing. It was like, <laughs> hey, I got pictures of myself as a kid and my hair was like loving. I, it was just, you know, in the elements and doing its thing. Um, I do remember, though, that all my friends had bangs really, really young. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went up and I like I have this vision of me in my mom's bathroom and like the counter was here but I like opened all the drawers and I found some scissors and I cut bangs, but you know, both because of the texture of my hair and also if your hair is not used to going forward, like it doesn't do it. And so it stuck up and I thought it didn't work. So I just cut them off. I like cut the oh, whole no. front off. <laughs> and I remember like, I just, I was so young, but I have this memory of like going down to the breakfast table or whatever it was or dinner table or whatever. And my mom was like, what did you do to your hair? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, but so the early, early years were just fine. It was really when I started to become aware of myself, you know, as a teenager, as a young preteen, um, how I fit in the world, how the world saw me or how I interpreted how the world saw me, that I started to have um, shame about my natural texture. Mm -hmm. um, some of it was societal. Some of it was um, internal. Uh, I think it was mostly societal. Mm -hmm. um, we did the, you know, when I say we, it's always me and my sisters because it was mm -hmm. we're a little tribe. Um, we went to Joseph's every Saturday and, you know, we were getting relaxers and I would mm -hmm. um, do a wash and set and then we would sit under the dryer for two hours and then you would wait in line for whoever knows how long to get in the chair of the main blowout guy and he would blow your hair out. And then for the rest of the week, you were trying to maintain that pretty sil silky blowout, um, doing everything from sleeping in sponge rollers to wet setting your hair again, or, or just setting your hair again with like a big roller, the same rollers we use for the wet set, or um, my mom putting a hot comb on the stove in the morning yep. and doing the edges to uh, wearing my hair so tight in a ponytail that like my veins were popping out and I would have a <laughs> headache and like you just couldn't wait to get that rubber band out of your head. You know, just all of the things. And then that only progressed as I got older, you know. Um, and I ended up going to school in Switzerland uh, for uh, eighth and ninth grade. And wow. there was no salon there. There was no place to get my hair relaxed or none of that. So I was left to like everything I thought I had learned myself. Um, and basically my hair was already damaged. And now we had new growth that was so tender in that in-between transition space 
I, I didn't have any of those terms, you know? Um, yeah. and so my hair was tender. It was already like fried and, um, it was growing out and I would put, I, I would put so much heat. I would take the whole front and just like, I would blow dry it down, 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 down. You know, I could see all of the dead ends. Like I could see all of the, the gray that was coming. You know what I mean? Like the fried ends that were starting. And I remember I would sometimes, you know, you try and get like each one off or there was this technique for a while where you would take a bit, twist it, then pull up all of the dead ends and split ends would come and you would try and cut those. I mean, I, just everything, oh my just gosh. all the things, you know? <laughs> um, and I started running track when I was in eighth grade. So I was also sweating and swimming and everything. So unbeknownst to me, I started going natural when I was in eighth grade. Mm. Um, and wow. by the time I came home to the States, uh, and I was officially a track runner, um, the natural, the real like work of the natural journey began. Um, and I started trying every product, any product. Mm -hmm. My mother came into my room at a certain point and was like, listen here, little girl, the hair products alone are going to break my bank. Like what is happening? <laughs> you cannot just go and buy all these expensive products. She was like, what is going on? There is I won't say the brand name, but we, we had the same shampoo. It was a shampoo slash conditioner. It was mm -hmm. in every shower. It was in mom's <laughs> shower. It was Rhonda's showers and me and Chuddy's shower. That's what we had. You had your, your brush and that like, just get it together. It worked for everybody else. Like what's happening. And I was like, mom, my hair is so important. It's so important. <laughs> um, and then every trick of the trade started. I used to wake up in the morning and the first thing I would do is call the weather, 1212-777-1212. And if it was anything over 70% humidity, I wouldn't wash my hair. Um, I mean, just all the all the things. I tried mm -hmm. beer in my hair at one point. Um, beer? Which worked. Yeah, because, you know, the same reason that we discover like so many of our gels like have alcohol in them. But they work really well the first two times and then they start drying your hair out. But beer. So some Italian girl in Switzerland <laughs> who had major curly hair, she was like, I use beer. Beer is the best thing for the hair. It's fantastic. So I started pouring beer in my hair and my hair was like crunchy as all get out. And then it was breaking off more. I did the iron. I put my hair in an iron. I, I did it all. Like everybody, I tried putting carry lotion in my hair. Wow. Um, I would take a big scrunchie and cover my hair in carry lotion, like dry hair, carry lotion. And then I would take a squinchy and like draw it out to like stretch out my curls. I, I mean, everything. I tried all wow. the things. And somewhere, and then I slowly nursed my hair back down. I could talk about this forever. So seriously, you should yeah. just cut me off. <laughs> no, but I am, I'm curious because I think black girls are so, what they think about their hair is also so informed by the women around them in their lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up perming my hair a lot because that's what mom did. Like she was an accountant and it was like the nineties, like you just had to go to work be an accountant and have straight hair. So I just sort of thought like, well, that's what I should have. And so I'm wondering sort of like how you felt about your hair based on the women around you and what sort of they taught you to feel? You know, in my home and also in my extended family, like my cousins mm -hmm. and aunts and uncles, I felt great about my hair. Yeah. Um, but 
when you're a teenager, I don't care what my family thinks. <laughs> Who cares? What does the guy I have a crush on think? What is? Uh, what are the people in music? What do they look like? What did? What's in the magazines? What was in Teen Beat? What was on Essence? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what do? What did people look like? I didn't care that my mom was Diana Ross or how cool she was or that she was singing in Central Park and like doing the. Um, Super Bowl and coming in in a helicopter. Like, I, I didn't care. I was like, <laughs> but what are my friends, how are my friends wearing their hair? You know, yeah. I mean, my grandmother used to line up all the cousins outside of the fancy bathroom and she would deep condition our hair. We would lay on the sink in the fancy bathroom. She would put our head in the sink and she would put mayonnaise in our hair. <laughs> Full on. And we had to leave it on and smell like sandwiches for like a good day. And then she would wash it out. Um, so I was doing all those things with my family. I felt mm -hmm. very supported. I mean, my mom, you know, wore a natural texture. Like she, yeah. that's what my mom represented. That's who she was. And, and so it wasn't that I wasn't, um, supported in my natural beauty in my own home. It was that the world on the wallpaper of our lives, there were no, mm -hmm. um, there were so few images. And, you know, at the time it was bouncing and behaving hair. It was easy, breezy, beautiful. It was like all these things. And like, my hair didn't do that. Like it, it, to do that, it, you needed to do so much to it. Um, and so I was trying to, fit into a mold that wasn't meant for me. I was like so many of us, you know, that was not what we, I could name on my hand. Like as I got towards girlfriends, it was Lisa Nicole Carson, Lisa Bonet, mm -hmm. um, Cree Summer, Radon Chong. And there's one other I'm not thinking of right now. Like it didn't exist. Yeah. Now you look on the TV newscasters, newscasters, all of them, not the weather channel, not weather, weather <laughs> ladies, the news ladies have natural hair. And I'm just like, Oh my God, we are seeing our beauty everywhere now, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so what was the moment for you in your adult life where you were like, I'm truly just going to embrace my hair and not care what the outside world is telling me and just really find the beauty within your own hair? Well, I think that's been like a daily journey. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, um, but in my adult life, I became an advocate for my hair and for myself when I became a professional. Mm -hmm. um, so when I got into the industry um, in the, as a model, when I was modeling, I was not an advocate for myself or my hair. I didn't know how to be. I was too young. I didn't have the language. Um, in the culture of modeling, particularly at the time in the 90s, like models don't have a voice. You, you don't have a, a, a and you're a hanger. You're a thing mm -hmm. that we get to do something to. But when I started acting, um, I somehow found a real sense of esteem around this is me. And I think it was because of the connection between what brought me to acting, which was the discovery that it was the one um, form of expression that I discovered that I could use all of myself. I could use my fears, my vulnerability, my hopes, my dreams, my, my bigness, my smallness, my loudness, my silliness, my big eyes, my big lips, my tush, like the, everything about me was actually you, um, a useful thing in this experience. And so I was like, this is the, this is the thing I have to offer. So I don't, I, I don't, I'm not changing it. Not for you. Yeah. You know, I could get a part, but I was still advocate. I started learning how to advocate for myself. It was not easy. And I don't know that it was so received so well. So it was a daily reprieve. And then by the time I nursed my hair back to health and it 
really was in, I mean, it's my curl pattern is completely different now because my hair is gray and I color it. And so it's almost like I texturize it again um, because the, the color kind of pulls the tight curl pattern out of it. But there, I look back at early girlfriends pictures and I wouldn't let anyone touch my hair. I, I was yeah. like, you're, I got, I finally got here. You're not messing this up. Yeah. And I don't blame you. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And then it got messed up because I didn't realize. So I started playing Joan on girlfriends and everything that was Tracy became Joan. I wore my mm. clothes. I was wearing all my best hairstyles, doing my hair the way I knew I loved my hair. I would wake up hours before so my hair would naturally dry and my curl pattern would be the perfect wash and go. And that's what it was. And then by the time I got to our the end of the first season, there was no, I couldn't, I had no Tracy. Tracy was Joan, right. Joan was Tracy. So I went to, um, I don't know, maybe it was after second season. And I some hairstylist convinced me that we could straighten my hair with a hot stove iron and that it would curl back up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was devastating. Yeah. It was yikes. (laughs) It was full on yikes after all of those years of nursing it back to health. And then I think season three and four, you started to see different hairstyles with heat because my hair wouldn't curl back up. Yeah. And so I want to, I want to talk about pattern because there's so many things I love about it, but I think one of my top things that I love is you as a businesswoman. And I think it is something for all women and all women of color to admire because even myself, I find myself being like, like when I was writing up this email to you, I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous about writing this email. Like, is this going to like eat up all her time to have to read it? Like, I still have those moments of self-doubt. And I feel like for you to get into a space where you are like, you are hands-on with developing this project for years and now it's out there in the open. I'm sort of wondering like what has your journey been as a business person and what sort of skills did you learn along the way to allow you to be front and center and say like, this is my brand, this is my business and I know what I'm talking about. Oh God. Um, well, <laughs> was that a bad question or? <laughs> no, it's just, a, it's a long question and I'm, yeah. so I want to, I, I feel like I'm being, I'm being too loquacious. Um, no, but- people want to hear from you. That's the whole I'm- point. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to hear from right. me. <laughs> I have I have the same doubt stuff that you do. Like, oh my god, I talk too much. Um, so, I, I mean, first we should do a really big shout out. Since eleven o'clock this morning, I've had to take breaks because my arms hurt. But I full on <laughs> braided my hair. Um, I did. I don't know if it's like maybe it's like Coolio slash Dave East braids. I'm sure there's like a better <laughs> term for it, but like that's what I bought. And I have gray right now, so it's making parts is not easy when you have gray because it's mm-hmm. everything looks crooked. Um, but so my love of my hair and mm-hmm. again being an advocate for my hair um, started uh, during like during girlfriends I re- it kind of came into itself right mm-hmm. and there was no social media during girlfriends but all through growing up all those stories I told you and there's so many more and we can all identify we all have those experiences I started to realize I'm like where are the products and mm-hmm. why is our shit all the way in the back of the store yeah and why is it so dark over here? And why have these products been the same for 27 years, mm-hmm. maybe longer? Like, what is happening? Um, where's all the pretty packaging? Why do I go to buy my shampoo and conditioner and on the back it says use a dime size? What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, do they mean like a di- for what? Like for the first strand? Like, what are you speaking of? 
Who are you talking to? And how mm-hmm. come all the products that they said were for curly hair didn't work on my hair, made my hair feel like mm-hmm. straw. And then I would go for the deep hydrating conditioners and like, the, like this is your hair mask that you leave on for two hours. And that's what worked as an instant conditioner. You know what I mean? Like yeah. with some slip and some, some, um, some, uh, clumping ability and like all that kind of stuff. Like wh- where, why did they say never, never brush your hair when it's wet, it will break. And that's the only time I could brush my hair when it was wet because I could actually get it through my mm-hmm. hair without it, like the floor being covered in my hair that I'd broken off. So it started as a personal adventure for me. Mm-hmm. It was like, where's the stuff I need? And then when I got onto Girlfriends and slowly I started meeting other people and hearing things like I would go to buy products and I remember going to this, uh, all of the beauty supply stop- shops on Wilshire. Um, they also have salons in the back. And I remember yeah. I went in to like buy the products that I loved that by the way, were also so expensive. And I was like, this is bull crap. <laughs> I have so much hair. Who can afford this? Like, this is insane. Like the amount that I use from this tub that is apparently the like deep conditioning hair mask that you use once a month and you only use a dime size. It's going to last you for a lifetime. I use for one (laughs) co-wash. I'm like, so how that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. So I went in and this, this, um, hair dresser who was also in the back was like, you have no idea how many, the amount of people that come in here with pictures of you pulled out of a magazine and say, I want her hair. And he was like, and I tell them you need to go. And I was like, no, all they need is good products. And so it started, he was like, you would be a millionaire if you had products. And I was like, Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So I just started playing around with it. Go on. Um, yeah. yeah. Go, go on. <laughs> Tell me more. I have so many shoes to buy. Um, so uh, I started just pondering what the idea was. Like, what would be my dream if I was looking for stuff? And then I remembered, do you, do you know Curly Nikki? Do you remember Curly yeah, Nikki? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, she was like the one hair blogger at the time. And she and I got connected. And then we did this thing together. It was somewhere like right at the end of Girlfriends. And we did this event. And I'm not joking you. I pulled up and around the block and no social, like social media was just starting. If it was around the block were all of these beautiful black women who all looked like Joan Carol Clayton. That's they were wearing amazing. ruby blue red lipstick. They had their hair in the in natural, just there were curls, there were tight textures, there were coils, there were just everything. They were in pencil skirts with big wide belts. I was like, what's happening? And I started to realize that it wasn't just me. Like people, it's not that they wanted to look like me. People, there were so many people like me. that also were looking for products that also wanted to have juicy and joyful hair that were so, so I started this idea and, but let me tell you something, 10 years it took my first hair care brand pitch I wrote. And I mean, it just, I don't need to need to go into the war stories, but what I will say as an overview is every no, every disappointment, I would take the hit. Mm. I would experience the hurt, the upset, there was a lot of tears because mm-hmm. I feel things deep. I think it's why I'm good at my job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would have tears and then I would pull myself back up when I could and I would look at what the no was, what the information was that was given, ask myself, was that good information? Did I agree? And was there an opportunity for me to clarify and be more specific about what and why I wanted to, what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it and why now and why it was important? 
And so every step of the way, every no, every confusion, someone wanted me to, some, a manager was like, I get it. Everyone wants your hair. So you wanted, you should do a line of wigs. And I was like, you totally missed the point. Yeah. And I realized that this was the biggest thing. Do you remember that meme that went around? It was a little girl that was crying, looking in the mirror. And she was like that. It, it said the moment you realize you don't have Tracy Ellis Ross's hair. I haven't seen that, but I, I feel that. <laughs> I, yeah, but, I, I, it, but that breaks my heart. Yeah. And I'll tell you why it breaks my heart. Because mm. I spent so many years hating myself and my hair, mm. thinking that I wasn't enough, that I, it had to be something other, was, other than what it was. And as a result, I was frying and beating my hair mm. up. And it was damaged and it wouldn't do anything. And I didn't love myself anymore. Yeah. And the moment I stopped trying to be somebody else, trying to look somewhere else to see what I should be, I started loving myself. So my feeling is if anything about me makes you feel bad, don't look at me. Go look mm. where you feel good. Look away and look back when you can ask yourself what it is and what the thing is so you can go find that for yourself. Like, you know, I could look at Naomi Campbell's legs and be like, I, I like want her legs. I'm never going to have Naomi Campbell's legs. It's not going to mm -hmm. happen. But I can look at her legs and say, okay, great. I love those legs. They look strong. They look like she loves them. They look like they help her walk around. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then figure out how to give that to myself. So what I was like, no, the wigs misses the point. Mm -hmm. I want to be a springboard for people to find what they, what works for them how they can love their hair, how they can have juicy and joyful hair. I don't want anyone to have my hair. I want them to have their hair, I, you know? So um, all of these different places and each time I was able to articulate more and more. And what you should know about me is I'm somebody who like notebook after notebook, like this is this is this month's notebook or two weeks. I, oh my I write, gosh. I take notes. Here's more. Here's more notebooks. They're just, uh, they're just filled, filled, you, filled, But you filled. just like don't... Just like for life, like you just take, like, like you take, always I have take, a notebook with you. I take notes. Yeah. I like mm. to, especially now. So like, let's see. I mean, there's so much good stuff in here. Princess warrior narrative. Um, like, I mean, I'm not going to tell you all the stuff that's in here, but yeah. I really do. And I can always go back. But so what I did was I was writing everything down. Every time mm. I had a new idea, every time a great phrase came into being, every time I was like, you know what? I'm so sick of how the terms that are used about our hair have been so like deconstructed into negative mm. terms that kinky is a negative term that yep. frizz is a, is a curse word that like all these different things I want to one day I'm going to have a brand and I want to do a glossary, a glossary of terms and redefine them with all the beauty and language that we actually are. That's on my website. Almost yeah, all of wow. the language, juicy and joyful that literally came directly from Stuff I wrote down. I walked in when I finally started putting together the pattern deck. I had a Bible of all of the things that I've been saying for the last 10 years about what I wanted these products to be. And we started filtering through it. And the language, the point of view, the, the brand message, like the promise, all of those kinds of things were things I gathered all along the way. What makes a brand work? I would ask somebody, well, why is that marketable? What, yeah. what, what, like, do your research, like every question I asked for help, I asked questions, I would suffer the disappointment and get back up with more information. And that's what I encourage everybody to do. And by the way, not just about starting a business, about everything. Like I've, I've done it. I've done it throughout my career with everything just, and for me, it's one of the ways that I gain equity in myself.
Mm. I start to like gain, like, it's like creating that unbreakable, unshakable foundation. No one can tell me I don't know. Like there's things I don't know, but like, no, I know, I know what I'm talking about on this one. Yeah. You know? And like, hmm, I'm open. I don't know what, what else. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think of that part. So it's a combination of like curiosity, um, uh, openness and perseverance. Yeah. I love the equity in yourself. I've never heard it put mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's so good. And I, I also do love the perseverance of like, you're showing up for 10 years. Like you are serious. You believe in yourself and no one can stop you. And I feel like that also sort of kind of highlights this sort of just joy that you exude because you are, you're in it for the long haul. And I think a lot of times, especially right now, it is so hard to be in it for the long haul because we are living in probably the biggest unknown that we've all oh experienced God. in our lives. You know what I mean? And it can, I, I see a lot on the internet and I, I'm a workaholic and I like to do a lot of things, but I feel like there's this sort of level of like, you have to be productive all the time and you have to be a social justice warrior. You have to do all these things. And I feel like in particular black women, have to carry the burden of that. Like I could, I, you know, when all these uprises started happening, you know, I would get texts from, you know, some, some white people being like, Hey, are there like any books I can read? Ah, If I hear that one more time. Yeah. It's like, or is there anything that we should talk about? And it's like, can I just not have to be a social justice warrior right now? Can you ask me like, what, what music I'm listening to right now. What's my favorite, like something like joyful and making me feel positive or like reminding me about my own self care. So I'm wondering like how during these times, like how are you able to get yourself into a mental space where you can appreciate the good and not just be reminded of your blackness in a way of being an educator to someone else? That was a very long question, but it was such a good question. And I have like a couple (laughs) things to add. So I always go back to this Audre Lorde quote. We too often have been expected to be all things to all people and to speak everyone else's position, but our very own said Mm -hmm. Audre Lorde, Audre Audre Lorde about us black women. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we also have been at the center of economic, political, social, and cultural revolutions that have happened in this world. We are the ones that turn elections. We are the ones that move the needle. We are the ones that move culture. We are the ones that hold and nurture and, um, and hold it down all mm-hmm. the time. Um, I will tell you that I am invested in the long haul in us. It is my mission in life to continue to celebrate our power, our beauty, and our joy to, um, be a a part of the collective experience of owning our own narrative, be a part of the collective experience of expanding our equity, both in ourselves and in what we create, um, which is not the easiest um, and has been something that as I have gained um, my own sense of self and notoriety, I have been able to fight for that and advocate for that in a way that it's not easy to when you need, you can't like lose the job. You know, they say you got to negotiate, you got to be able to lose the job. And I'm like, well, I can't lose the job. So what? (laughs) I remember hearing an actress talk about this. She was talking about equal pay and she was like, you just have to be willing to walk away. And I'm like, who the 
can walk away. What are you talking about? Like people don't have that luxury. That's, that's not part of this. What? Um, that's why we need to change the systems. You know what I mean? Like sick leave, like that's something we need to fight for, like all these kinds of things. Um, so I am invested in the, for the long haul. Um, how do I find that balance? You know, I have a deep well <laughs> of tools. Like my toolbox is mighty, mighty full. It is filled with all kinds of things, many different modalities. It spans from like asking myself what would be the spontaneous, joyful thing that is healthy, risky behavior that makes me feel like there is some uh, spontaneity and joy in my life. And maybe it's a bag of Funyuns, you know what I mean? Or having some fresh cut flowers in my world, you know? Ooh. Or, um, you know, knowing that I'm going to reach out to a, a lover that perhaps is a bit of a trap door, but for the moment I could create boundaries around it and it will make me joyful for at least enough amount of time that it is worth <laughs> the risk. Um, healthy, risky behavior. Um, I would, I could turn on some music and, and move my hips and dance. I could, um, you know, I think for me, my relationship with myself is about wholeness and not about perfection and mm. rigidity. And that in and of itself is like a tightrope that I am constantly pulling back and forth on. You know, um, yeah. I feel like I'm hardwired for this idea of perfectionism and hard work. Check everything off the list. You got to do it. You can handle it. Not having any sense of where my capacity is, not mm -hmm. listening to fatigue, not listening to my body, push, push, push. You can do more, get it done, work smart, work hard. Like that's what I feel like I'm hardwired for. And as I've gotten older, it's this sense of breathing, of allowing space in compassion, kindness, you don't have to check everything off the list. You are enough just because you are. You are worthy of love without effort, just like a flower. Like, and how can you hold space for yourself? How can I hold space for myself even when I don't feel at my best, even when I don't feel lovable, even when I feel unwanted, unloved, and alone, mm -hmm. even when I am hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, halt, even when I feel ashamed, even when I know better, but I don't do better, even though I wake up every morning and think to myself, I want to do my best and some days are crap all of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> even though I walk into most conversations thinking I'm going to try and do really well for this one and sometimes they go left so fast mm -hmm. and then you're just like, what in God's name happened? Like how can I continue to respond in my life and not react? And yeah. I feel like it's all about um, this, you know, constantly returning. And I feel like the older I've gotten, it's not that I do it perfectly. It's that I return to the space of wholeness more quickly. I reach for my tools more quickly. Mm. I, I ask for help more quickly. You know, um, yeah. it might not be the first thought, but it's certainly the second. Yeah. You know? And I feel like I also struggle with perfection too, because it is so like you, I feel like I, whenever I talk to my boyfriend, he's like, I feel like every time you like practically kill yourself to do any sort of job that you're doing, he's like, I think it's because you're so obsessed with the fact that if you don't give 150% and you are a black woman, everyone is going to like just sort of not take you seriously, which is so true. And I feel like sometimes but that I was fall, ingrained in us. Yeah. And I fall for the trap of black excellence and being this sort of example. And I think that, you know, 
that there's so much pressure, especially on black women to be perfect and to be excellent. But there isn't that pressure to make sure you feel whole or make sure you feel happy or have those moments where you can be vulnerable. And I'm wondering, like, were there any moments in your life where you had to sort of be like, I'm tired of being the strong, like lifting everyone up. And I just want to just, I don't know, freak out or I just want to dance or I want to just not have to like answer an email so I can just like eat, you don't eat lean cuisine, but like eat Funyuns. <laughs> Funyuns. Cool Ranch Doritos <laughs> and Funyuns, my sister. Okay. <laughs> but just have those moments where you could just be loose and free and not have to worry about expectation. Like, can you talk to me about some of those moments where you've experienced that? Oh, my. Oh, yeah. I I, I pop often. Yeah. <laughs> I call it, you know, like when you're just like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know who you think I am. I have to be able to eat. I mean, I can't. I'm just a human being. I'm not a robot. <laughs> I mean, you know, it sounds funny, but it's certainly a tone I get. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's a little bit easier right now. I'll be honest, like the mm-hmm. pandemic that that has that is one of the very um the opportunities in this is that the pace mm-hmm. I was living at was like, I feel like it, most of us was like unsustainable. Like, what were we doing? Yeah. Like, what were we doing? Like, we were not being humans. Um, I, I, I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to go back on that one, but, um, maybe like, we shouldn't, cra- maybe we I shouldn't go back. We should. it like, wasn't how good. crazy is it that like, you don't like how, how amazing is a nap? Oh my God. I had one the other day and I had a little bit of tequila and then I slept for an hour and a half Yeah, and it was the best. It was the best. It's it's like unbelievable. I think we we're sleep deprived as a culture. Mm -hmm. And right now, I don't know about you, but are you having trouble sleeping? Sometimes I am, but then other nights I just like, I sleep like a baby in a way that I didn't when I was just had 25 jobs at once. And I was up thinking, obsessing, you know, I I'm having trouble getting to bed at night. Um, mm. like turning my mind off. So I've been going to bed way later than I like. Yeah. I still have 73 jobs, 83 hats. And um, it's been a busy pandemic in this house. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't know why I keep talking like that. Kind of I weird. love that. I think that's a character for you that you they can well, explore. Like it's Geronimo. Um, yeah. Geronimo is Mikael's best friend. My name is Geronimo. <laughs> um, so... Uh, uh, yes, this happens to me all the time. Um, have you ever heard the expression that expectation is premeditated resentment? No. What? It's a really, it's a really good one. That's so good. And that it's was just so in good. your head? You just had that? No, no, I, no, I can't no, no, remember no. anything. No, no, that's, I got that from somebody else. I don't know oh, who, okay. but it traveled around in some of the circles <laughs> I'm in. You know what I mean? I got this is this is a currency that I am borrowing as a as a way to pass it along. That's the only way that currency works. So I share that with you for you to share with another. Yes. Um, but yeah, so you know this idea and and there's nothing wrong with standards and excellence and um I think all of those things why is there hair in my mouth? I think all of those things that's oh, horrible. It was probably because I've been braiding my hair for 7 years it seems. Um Sorry. Um, all of those things I think are important, uh, uh, you know, 
a bar, but I also feel like lowering the bar is okay. Like I have a friend mm. that says to me, give yourself a, th- t- give yourself a thousand breaks. And when you're done with those, give yourself a thousand more. Mm-hmm. I, love I mean, that. I don't know about you, but it's hard yeah. to give myself a break, right? Oh, I hold I'm myself so hard to this standard. Oh my yeah. God. I wouldn't talk to anyone the way I talk to myself. Mm-hmm. Anyone. It's just the rudest. You know, <laughs> what's, and, what's one of the meanest things you said to yourself about yourself? Oh girl, you mean, <laughs> you mean today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you mean today? Um, <laughs> let's think for today. It's also, isn't it interesting that it's a thing that is so in, it's, it's so internal that you almost don't hear it. Oh, yep. Yep. Right. And the other one I like is my mind is a dangerous neighborhood. I try not to go there and I try not to go in there alone. <laughs> so when it starts, I'm like, ooh, 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 sun's going down. Dangerous <laughs> up in there. I'm going to call a friend. We're going to go in there together holding hands. Yeah. <laughs> and usually, usually it's like, why don't we wait till the sun's up tomorrow? <laughs> Like, do we really need to, do we really need to like pull this apart? You know, or I have friends who are like, ow, ow, ow. Oh, wow. This is, this talk is, do you mind not beating up on my friend in this way? This is really intense. Um, you know, lately there's a lot around, um, why am I not enough for A, B, and C? Mm. Like if, if I were this, then this. Yeah, I do. Try not to be too specific because I also am careful not to say the thing you don't want to exacerbate, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, but I do a lot of that where I'm like, if I were further along here, then I would have this. Or if I was doing this, then I would be there. And it's just sort of like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, your life is so good. Your family is healthy. Like, you're working, like, and you're complaining about feeling like you're not as good as this fantasy version of yourself it just is you know i'm gonna get to this hold on there's a pima children quote children um oh here i've got a list of pima children quotes i wonder if it's in here yeah right now can you make an unconditional relationship with yourself just at the height you are the weight you are with the intelligence that you have and the and your current burden of pain. Can you enter into an unconditional relationship with that? Mm, The answer to that is not at this moment for me, (laughs) but I will get there. But that is so, I love that. I love that. Right? Like this idea of, of can, can, can it be enough, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and it's weird because like, I really like ambition. Mm hmm. I like my drive. I like my passion. I like the fact that I'm always dreaming of new things. I like the fact that I want to have a big, full, robust life that is a match for me, that has all these different aspects of me that are living themselves out. Mm-hmm. I want to keep being a person who dreams new dreams. You know what I mean? I, I like working hard. I like giving back to the world. I like being of service not only to my dreams, but to the world around me to make it a better place or even just to, just to show up in the world in a way that feels compassionate and kind and loving to my fellow humans. Um, so there's this, it's like constant, like how do you find the balance between those things? And I just think that's the balance. 
you know, like, I mean, when everything, uh, what is it a month? I mean, does time, what is time? What is it? By the way, I've also been yeah. home. I've been home since March 12th. Like what? I haven't even yeah. been to the market. Instacart, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, so I've been home forever too. And um, in this, it's it's uh, it brings with it another thing. I will tell you that I've discovered in even in the pandemic from home, I'm still always a little bit late. Even from Me Zoom. too. Oh what my God. I just coming down the stairs. Yeah. You're walking in the next room. I'm always like, I will, I'll email my assistant be like, oh, I'm going to be five minutes late to this call. I like was doing, you know, Peloton Pilates. It's like, just do it 30 minutes earlier and you be on time for this call, you idiot. But I guess it's just ain't, a ain't part gonna of happen. Me. So there you yeah. go. Ooh, I just heard it. Yes. You just called someone an idiot. Don't do it. Oh, Don't I do did. It. <gasps> yeah. No, you want to say hi. Oh, my God. It's me again. Look at me. Yeah. Look at me being me. Oh my God. I I'm, you can bill me for I, this. This is great. I love oh it. Oh my God. You're so funny. I do it all. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to do, I want to close out the episode with some audience questions. Let's do it. Oh my God. Black um, Frazier. This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> because when I say that you were going to be on the, the show, people were so excited and we have a lot of amazing questions. So we'll get through How, just like a couple of them. Can I ask you a question? Did yes. we, did we, did I, is, was it okay? What do you mean? Was it okay? It was so good. I, I mean, come on now. You, there was an expectation at the beginning and I'm like, do you have resentment against me? No, it's so, and you're just being so, you're saying so many wonderful, smart things and just being like, Hey guys, be kind to yourself. Don't forget yeah. that part. And we all forget yeah, that like, part. Yeah. Like really don't. Like yeah. really don't. Yeah. Okay. Be nice. All right. Okay. So um, we have a couple of questions that we'll try and get through as many as we can. Okay. So this is from Gina, who's in New Jersey. I'm Afro Latina. Hi, Gina. Hi, Gina. Okay. She writes, I'm Afro Latina and I started my hair journey three years ago. I wish I started long ago, but I am so happy that I did. My question is about natural hair in the workplace. Oof. During my journey, my boss told me in front of everybody, you look more professional with straight hair. <sighs> I did not say anything, but what should I have done in that situation? Wow. <sighs> okay. So first of all, um, there's nothing you should have done. Whatever yeah. you did was perfect. Uh, these are not easy situations to be confronted by because mm -hmm. you're being confronted by racism, sexism, patriarchy, and somebody else's ignorance. Yeah. Um, and that person's ignorance is built on a culture that has supported that person in that. Um, so it's also not their fault. You know what I mean? Like we're all sort of in this thing. Um, the first thing I would say is really make sure that you find a way to um, just give yourself a little ritual and honor around the reality of what it is to be a Afro-Latina woman in the world we live in. Um, and I can say to you, I've never met you. I don't know you. You're beautiful. Aww. And your hair is beautiful exactly as it comes out of your head. And you are worthy of love without effort. And you um, look professional when your hair looks authentic. Um, and that your professionalism is not determined by your hair. 
of course there is appropriate attire and all of these kinds of things. You know what I mean? Like some workplaces, you can't wear flip-flops. You don't want to wear short shirts with the bottom of your butt hanging out. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, But you know, and you get to determine, in my opinion, what is your version of professional hair um, and what that looks like for you. Um, And you know, I mean, you know what it looks like when you wake up and you're like, this is probably not how I should go to work. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what's your version of you that really does look like your pulled together self that is respectful to how professional you are? Not to society's idea of what professional is. Now, how you should have, I don't like the should word, feels like a curse word, but could have I don't even know if it's fair to go back and think you could have done it differently, but is there any response even at this point that you could um, have? I think it depends on the situation. Um, It depends on your boss. It depends on your dynamic at work. It depends on the kind of person that boss is. Um, It depends on what your human resources department is like, all of those kinds of things. And I think you need to factor all of those things in um, what you're willing to give up, not give up, like what, you know, what the payoff would be, what it would feel like if they don't respond well, and then you get to make a choice for yourself. But there's so many options. You could decide in hindsight to go back and say, Hey, by the way, when that happened a little while back, and by the way, right now and everything that we're in might be a receptive time for someone mm-hmm. to receive a little bit of critique about how they have responded to you and did a microaggression or pretty macro um, in the work environment. You could bring that back up. You could also research, um, you know, these kinds of conversations uh, on the internet and get some different choices of dialogue or language that you could use that would feel um, effective in um, opening up a space for change as opposed to just uh, reprimanding someone um, so that they also can learn. So I think uh, there's a lot of pieces to that. Do you have any anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think it could also be an opportunity to have to sit down with your boss and someone from HR, so that it's a controlled environment. There's a objective party there, so there's going to be no like, well, she just flew off at the handle because you know she's angry. You know how they get exactly, and you can mm-hmm. have someone there who's like sort of walking them through the conversation and that might also help. But I also think that it sucks that we constantly have to feel like, Oh, I got to have that comeback or I got to educate someone in the moment. That's so much pressure. You know, that's the other thing I was just thinking is that how exhausting it is that we always have to be the ones to be like, like, it's like, it's hard enough walking around. Why can't you just learn your own lesson? Like, just wake up, do research. But you know, anyway, I'm very sorry that happened to you. Um, Yeah. Gina, was that her name? Yes, Gina from New Jersey. Gina from New Jersey, I'm sorry that happened. And I look forward to you and all of us being in work environments where we don't have to um, confront that. Amen. Good luck, Gina. Okay, so the (laughs) the next person we have is Allison from Seattle by way of Indiana. Hmm. Tracy, what's your perspective on non-Black folks using hair and beauty products designed for Black people? Mm. Um, I don't have any issue with that. Mm. Um, a lot of the people who buy pattern are not black, but I am very clear that pattern is a beauty company that is centered around black beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like same with me. Like I, I, I think using black hair products is different than doing black hairstyles. Yes. Agreed. 
So let's create a bit of a delineation there. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, uh, like, it's like, uh, I, I don't think that's a problem. Yeah. I could, but, but let me say this. I'm open to hearing why it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's like one of those things where it's like, yep, there are non-black people who have curly hair like ours. And I think it's totally fine. And I think if people are like, I don't want to be like, oh, well, I use pattern beauty. So now I'm down. I get what it means to be black. Like if you're doing that, right. then it's like, that's yeah. yeah. But I also have to say like, um, I don't, that's part of the reason I say that pattern is for curly, coily, and tight textures mm -hmm. because, um, we span in many different areas, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, we are centered around black beauty. Yeah. Uh, so the imagery and the active space of authentic celebration is really around that. Um, but I don't believe that hair has gender. I don't believe that hair, like it comes out of our head, how it comes out of our head, you know? Um, I had another thought, but it left me. So it must not have been important. I don't know <laughs> if it's fair. My mom used to always say that, and I'm not sure if that's true. Like you, you'll remember if it's important. I'm like, will you though? <laughs> I feel like that is true. And it always that, like will come back up like while I'm like taking a shower or like right, right, maybe right, 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 a couple okay. of days later, but okay. it'll come back. I think okay, it'll come okay. back. Okay. Um, okay, that was Allison. Best of luck, Allison. Okay. Oh, this is really cute. Okay, this is from Cece, Miami, Florida. Hi, Cece. <laughs> Hi, Cece. Tracy, first of all, you are a queen, icon, and legend. Ooh. Wow. Girl. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no it's good it's good it's good no it's great she writes thank you for everything you do to uplift black women you spread so much joy but i just gotta know do you ever get down and if so what do you do to bring yourself out of it i'm finding it real hard with everything going on to be positive and be as juicy and joyful as you like to say lol so, like, how can I have black joy when the world is a literal nightmare? I honestly think I would feel guilty to be happy and joyful right now. Ooh. Ooh, first of all, two-part question, but I hear you. You are mm -hmm. not alone. And yes, yeah. I get down all the time. I, I had a spell of real blues last night. Um, they traveled all the way into my sleep and into this morning. But... Um, so I'll start with this personal, uh, what I was grateful for, which was a bit new is I didn't give meaning to it. I didn't mm. like a sign that it meant something specific that I was, I had done something wrong. I was, uh, I didn't give it a story. I was like, Ooh, I'm having really heavy kind of dark, wet feelings. And mm. it makes me want to slump over and curl into a ball. Um, as opposed to, I feel like this, this, and this, because it means this, this, and this. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that a couple of weeks, months ago, what month ago, however long it was, uh, from George Floyd, um, to the uprising and the protests that started, um, joy is my natural state and it felt untenable. I, I didn't know where joy was. There was not a, I didn't even want to hear music. I couldn't mm -hmm. process anything. I was in a state of anguish and grief and, um, heartbreak and rage. And it was like fury. Like they, it was just, but they were all very heavy, not 
light feelings. Yeah. Um, I have found that the getting informed has helped me, um, staying teachable and getting educated, um, humility that like, I don't have all the answers Mm -hmm. and it's not, and I don't have to have all the answers, not for myself or anybody else leaning towards those who have been doing this work and have the language. Um, I will tell you that Patrice colors and Brittany Packnett Cunningham have both Mm -hmm. been, and Tamika Mallory, like they, they have been sources of great comfort for me. Um, looking at Angela Davis, um, and when she, she's been speaking a lot and been seeing her, those moments, um, Kimberly Crenshaw, um, sort of grasping this understanding of intersectionality on, on a much deeper level, those moments, um, like, I don't know that positivity is always necessary. I don't, but joy holds a space around it and creates a color within it. But I couldn't see any color for a minute there. Um, Yes, I have dark days all the time. I have dark moments. And again, that's where my vast and deep toolbox comes in. You know, like I I reach for many different spaces, whether it's just taking the simplest task of the day of can you have a really good meal today and sit Mm. down and eat it and let it nourish you. Can you today just focus on drinking enough water, you know, drinking enough water? Can I be present while I'm doing what I'm doing? Um, Can I try and be in my body? Whatever those things are, I gently find my way back to joy. It sometimes takes longer than I'd like. Um, But I will also say that um, experiencing depression for the first time is totally appropriate in what we're going through right now. There's many people that are experiencing actual depression, not like a bad mood, but like actual depression and look for your resources. If that is something you think you might be experiencing, if you have that question, find support and there Mm -hmm. are resources out there, um, and seek that support. Not, you know, and if it, if you have a question, is it actual depression? Um, is it, um, more than just I'm anxious, but like it's moving into an anxiety, um, that you really can't get a handle on, which again, whether it's appropriate or not, but is totally understandable in what we're in, um, seek out that help. And it might not just be from your friends. You know what I mean? Like they're not professionals, like look for the professional help, um, and I, I have professional help in my life. You know, um, mm-hmm. I see a therapist and that those things are incredibly, um, like let's take the mystery out of that and the, the, um, like get the help you need. And so I think it's a combination of both. It's like, yeah. ask yourself what your heart wants. Is it fresh flowers? Is it a walk? Is it some Funyuns or some Cool Ranch Doritos? Is it some French fries that day? What, you know, what are the things that can kind of breadcrumb you back to your joyful state? Um, and if it's more than that, seek that help. Ooh, that was great. That was really good. I mean, there, I was like, oh my God, can you just be my life coach? Please, <laughs> please. I uh, need it. <laughs> oh my God. It's so sunny right here and I'm getting so shiny. You could fry an egg on my face. I, I, I think I'm getting shiny too. Okay. Wait, I have one last question if you have time. Okay. 
Yeah, I this do. is this is really cute. It's from a teenager. Oh, I love it. Ah! Oh, wait, no, no, no. So, no, it's from someone in their twenties, but reflecting on their teen years. Sorry, all, that's okay. Your twenties is your teenager. Yeah, forty seven. <laughs> you are. You could be my my child, my grandchild. I don't know. <laughs> okay, this is from Danielle in Los Angeles. As a 14-year-old, I used to get perms to avoid being bullied by kids in my predominantly white private school. What self-love tips do you have for teens of color who feel pressure to assimilate to European standards of beauty? Oh, man. I I mean, that was me. That was, that was yeah. me. I was in a predominantly white school, a private school, and I relaxed my hair and texturized it and did all the, all the tings, all the tings, all the tings. <laughs> um, find a tribe of friends, a family where you can feel like your natural beauty is as beautiful as it is. Mm. Um, and be really kind and gentle with yourself around that. If you cannot push, if you don't feel you have the wherewithal to do that in an environment that feels scary, don't do it. You'll find your way. Start with where you feel the love. Mm -hmm. And if that means on the weekends or in summer vacation, when you are with your family or on, you know, whatever that is in those moments, if you can let your authentic flag fly, do it there. And when you gain your sense of self and confidence and um, start to genuinely feel it, where the standard of beauty that is based in whiteness and that doesn't have space for you no longer becomes the louder tape playing, then lean in there. But mm. you don't have to push yourself any faster than you can go. And I always like to say, and for me, I've mentioned wholeness. I try and go as fast as the slowest parts of myself because I like to bring all of me where I'm going. And I also mm. don't like to put myself in situations where it's going to create a bigger wound that I then have to go tend to mm. and heal. So you can test it out, you know? Um, I also will say, God, I hate that we're still dealing with this. Me too. It is such a It breaks bummer. my heart. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Like really, <sighs> you know, I, I, I hope no child has to walk into school and feel like who they are is not enough or as glorious as it is, particularly when you were in the process of discovering who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? it's, it's adding that pressure of feeling like you don't measure up. And then you're like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to measure up to. Like, I don't even know what, like, and, it's just, and I don't even know who I am yet to yeah. know, like, what are the things I like? Like maybe I, maybe I choicefully want my hair straight. I don't know. But, mm -hmm. like, you don't know yet. So you should be able to try all the things, all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Tracy, this has, I think, gone above what I said this episode was going to do. So take that. Nah. Put that in your, put it in your pipe and smoke it, honey. <laughs> I, I ain't got no pipe. I don't have no pipe. <laughs> you have a pipe I can borrow. 
God. I am amazing. I'm so grateful for, um, I'm just grateful for you on the planet. I really am. (gasps) I, I, I really am. I think you are one of, uh, as I said, I feel like we might've been made in the same batch or maybe I was like the gal on the edge of that cauldron. And I was like, I wish I could get in this one. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get in that cauldron? God. Can I get in that one? I see Phoebe in there and I swear to God, I should be friends with her. (laughs) So So I, um, I, that was ridiculous. I was talking to God saying, I swear to God, that was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing about that worked, but I see Prince behind you and gratitude behind you. And I'm so grateful, um, for this conversation and that brilliant email that you wrote me. Oh, thank you. And next time you have to teach me how to sing because I don't know how to do it. And I've been singing Love Myself around the apartment. My boyfriend's like, you are hitting none of these notes. I need you to stop. That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't I don't know that I could teach you how to sing. I think I'm such a new singer, but I'm obsessed with that song. It feels like such an elixir for this moment. Mm-hmm. It's such a tonic for our times. And yeah, maybe I'll sing you out. Should I sing you out? Yes. <gasps> Let's <laughs> I forget when I was younger it was easy Now I'm stressed out, always have to have the TV on Watching memories fade to gray, I'm winding slowly Makes me uneasy, making me crazy But is it fake love? If I'm lying to myself, trying to fake the way I feel, am I a stranger? If I don't recognize myself, trying to fix up something real, here it comes. I don't really care. I don't want to keep my head down. Got nothing to share. Maybe I should put my phone down. I don't really care if everybody likes me. I just want to love myself. Love myself. Uh, I'm tearing. I'm tearing up. That was my favorite part of the song. My head is spinning. The ground breaks. And I can pay attention when my hands shake. When love is gone and every day's a bad day, just need myself to tell me that it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't think I could ever do that. <laughs> I think you can. I think you can. I was like, damn. I so much. I love the message. This is such a great conversation. I could talk uh, to you forever. Thank you. I adore you. Thank you so much. Wasn't it just the most magical hour? I feel so much better after listening to that. I wish it wasn't over. It was so special. And mm-hmm. It really just felt cool. And I think you two are going to be best friends. Really? Do you think Tracy will go to a U2 concert with me? Because I Ooh. feel like in all fairness, you've gone to eight concerts with me. Mm-hmm. And I think you need a break, baby. Will she go to a U2 concert? How much are you paying her? Would Oh, would you pay for her Lyft? I get her a Lyft XL. Ooh! Yeah. I mean, if she's going to say no, that's just rude. Yeah. I mean, Lyft XL, they have Trident gum in there. I'm, some do. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I think this was a great way to kick off the series. I'm so excited. As you all know, pattern beauty, blackish, girlfriends now about to be on Netflix. Mm. Um, so you know what to do. Follow her on Instagram. Um, so since we are an indie podcast, we didn't want to be like, hey, let's like sell like a bunch of ad dollars to like pay for everything. So we're paying for everything out of pocket. And instead, I wanted to use any sort of ad space that I'd be <clears throat> on the podcast for a black owned business that I adore and love. Um, this is a recent discovery. It's called Carmen's Cookies Brooklyn. Instagram handle Carmen's Cookies, B-K-L-Y-N. Um, and you guys, these are so good. Like if I was Oprah, this would be on my favorite things list. But since I'm not and I'm Phoebe Robinson, this is just me telling you and then not gifting people them. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I'm like, here's the thing you guys can also pay for. I really like this, but I'm not going to give you any of it. (laughs) (laughs) I got Oprah money. (laughs) I'm going to try. But anyway, they're really, they're amazing. This woman, Carmen, does it herself. And I think there are six different flavors. I really love the original chocolate chip. And I get them in batches of 50. Because they're small. 50. They're small. They are small. They're like pop in your mouth whole. Right. Then move straight on to the next one. Right. So if you if you were to eat all 50 in one sitting, which I wouldn't advise. No, don't do that. If you ate all 50, that's like four cookies. Mm, is it? <laughs> is it though? <laughs> I'll say. Baker's does? Yeah. I'll say it's a baker's does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you guys follow Carmen's cookies on Instagram. Buy her food, eat it up. This has been a fantastic episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Bake Off, thank you for being the love of my life. Oh, so nice. And helping out, being a tech wizard. And I'm I think I'm ready to take this wig off. Getting a bit warm. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. really contains the heat in Oof. the summer. Oof. Yeah. All right. Credit time. Theme song, Gavin Turek. Host, me. Producer, Phoebe Robinson and British Bake Off. Editor, British Bake Off. And, you know. Th- that's it. It's not a long credit list, but an important one. It's pretty, pretty short. Yeah, it really is, isn't it?